0: I remember just thinking, um, I don't want to live anymore. When I was like, you know, 17, 18 is when I first started drinking. I remember I told my mom and dad for the last time, like, hey, I need help and I actually mean it this time. That's for those of you listening, whether you're a resident in the program, whether you're a family member, a current or a future supporter. But life today is good. When I was seeing it work in other people
1: as well as myself, something just changed.
0: I've got a little over five years of sobriety. This is... Is the Hope Dealers Podcast? Welcome back to the Hope Dealers Podcast. If you're just joining us, my name is Sean Fitzpatrick. I'm your host, and we are so excited to be here today with our Southside OKC Program Manager, Mr. Trevor Mathis. How's it going, man?
1: It's going great, man. Life's good. God is good.
0: God is good. Always good. You had a busy day so far.
1: I have. I I woke up with a. A tour, a house tour with a PNR. Um, hopefully he's coming in. He put a deposit down the day. Okay. I think doing house tours with people and meeting them in person has been more effective
0: than doing a phone interview. So I've I tried to okay. incorporate that as much as I can. So it was a house tour with a potential resident. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. I got to do one of those. I don't, that doesn't happen for every resident though, no, right? No, most
1: of them don't because they're in rehab or something. Mm-hmm. But if they live in the city and they're not um, in rehab... I try to get them at the house so they can see what the house looks like and what they're walking into before they get into it. um, Just in case they have any reservations or
0: anything. Yeah. That'd be that's cool. And I mean, it also like when I did mine, it gave me just something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, as we always talk about with HA, like we, you know, our residents live in the most beautiful homes out mm-hmm. there. And so I remember showing up kind of nervous and then on top of knowing that the guys in the house were close to my age and, um, going through the same thing as me, the house itself was just dope.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome to see something so nice. Uh, most people have never been in a house that like that. Yeah. Um, and so when you give them a tour and they see the, especially at H six with the pond and the ping pong table and pool table, like, oh, I get could- I get to do this in sobriety, like sign me up rather than, uh, trying to cast that vision over the phone's a little bit harder than casting a vision to them in person. So,
0: yeah, I mean, committing to a place that you're going to go live at and you haven't seen it yet. I can imagine seeing it first would definitely be, uh, you know, but that would be preferable.
1: Yeah. I wish I could do it with all of them, but obviously yeah. that's not possible. That's where my
0: job comes in to make sure I have good pictures on the website. So, yeah, they, <laughs>
1: so a, a they lot of them say, uh, they're like, oh, is this on the website? I'm like, yeah, it yeah. is. Um, and I give them the address or the house number and uh, they get to see it on the website. And yeah. it's nice. And it's cool to have that. So,
0: for sure. For sure. So, you oversee two homes in South OKC, mm-hmm. H5, H6, and you're still a resident of the program. Absolutely. And how long have you been a resident? I've been a resident since August of 2020. Okay. And you've been on staff for a year, uh, this week, a year this week. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's already been a year. I guess that does. I know make that's sense. crazy. I was thinking about that. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I was telling Danny the other day cause he said, well, I'm still a noob. And I was like, well, when did you start? He said August. I was like, okay, no, nah, no, nah, you're not a noob yeah. past that 90 day mark. I don't think you feel so new anymore. I still feel new.
1: Really? Yeah. I feel like it hasn't been a year.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, do you think that's because you're just having so much fun with it or well, I
1: love it? Um, time flies, which is not always like the greatest thing It's cause like a year will go by. Like I've been out here three years. Um, I feel like I was just in Dallas like yeah. a year ago, like living the life I used to live. And, uh, I don't anymore. And it's been
0: three years out here and a year on staff and it feels like it's been like six months for sure. Yeah. I remember, uh, you first arriving, we didn't have a ton of interaction in the beginning cause I was on the North side and you being on the South side. Um, but your PM at the time was a friend of mine. So every now and again I would yeah. find my way down there.
1: Um, it's awesome. It's, uh, I didn't have in- much interaction yeah. with the hope is alive for the first year. And mm-hmm. um, that was part of that uh, su- surrender versus compliance. I was compliant to the rules, checking the boxes, but I wasn't surrendered. So I didn't like do the extra stuff. I didn't go to the HIA days. I didn't go to the um, sobriety sprint stuff like that. Like I wasn't involved in that cause I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be involved Yeah. Um, until I found out that it was a lot more fun and a lot more freeing being involved rather than
0: not. Gotcha. Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. Cause I know that's an exciting part of your story and really where, you know, the Trevor we are here with today, that's where you began. But let's go back a little bit. Um, You know, I ask everyone the same question when they come on, when did you first get introduced to substance?
1: Uh, I was about 14 years old. Such a Um, popular number, 14, or 15. (laughs) I was uh, in eighth grade, going into ninth grade this summer, and my friends had already uh, started smoking weed and stuff like that. And I was I went to hang out with them that day and they were like, well, we're going to smoke weed and you don't do that. So you can't come. And I was like, Oh, I'm smoking weed today then. So right. I first got introduced to marijuana first, um, smoked that. Um, I didn't try anything else for about a year and I didn't, re- I didn't smoke any more marijuana. I was still afraid of drugs. Sure. Um, I have an uncle, in addiction, um, my dad's brother, um, and he's never been around and I just didn't want to be that person. Yeah. I was a bad child. I was always in trouble, but, um, I made good grades. I, uh, and I didn't get in trouble, like, legally. Um, kind of balanced out. You may have
0: been a little yeah. troublemaker, but at least you got your schoolwork done. And
1: yeah, I was going to graduate uh, top of my class, and I, I was I was doing good. So I, I tried to stay that way, and I didn't want to do drugs or alcohol until I found alcohol. And mm. I drank. I was about 15 when I first drank, and uh, I loved it. I I felt different. Um, I always felt different in my own skin. I had—I was— pretty popular i had a lot of friends uh, but i didn't feel like i was actually their real friend and mm. they were they weren't my real friend um why do you think you felt that way uh i felt different my mom passed away when i was 4 um oh, okay. and i my dad uh um it, i had a great stepmom i had a great dad um i don't know why i felt different sure just they just were felt both, different yeah they were both very great parents. Um, I used my mom's death as a crutch, I guess. Um, later to know that, like, it wasn't her fault and I shouldn't use it as a crutch. But I, t- I tried to. Um, I couldn't find any excuse.
0: I mean, that's the way it is for a lot of people. And that's why I love doing these stories, if you're listening out there and that's you. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people who come in here, and not just help us alive, but in recovery in general, um, they've got a really dark past. Yeah. You know, and they have (laughs) all the reason in the world to have started using drugs Mm -hmm. or drinking. Not to say that's the right solution. I'm saying I can understand how that could have happened. Um, I didn't really. I didn't Uh, at all. You know, I know you and I are both from Dallas. Not that that is just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, I grew up in a good home. Um, Good family. Good brother. Good school. Played sports. I mean, I wasn't a star athlete, but I played sports and, you know, did all the normal stuff. Um, sometimes it just happens.
1: Yeah, I grew up in a great home. Yeah. My dad and my um, my mom now is they're awesome people, uh, very loving people. They took care of me, met my needs. Um, I grew up in a great area, and uh, I just defied all leadership in my life. I didn't want to listen to anybody who was a leader in my life. Uh, um, so I I didn't, and yeah. it led me to you know using drugs and alcohol. And I like the way I feel when I drink and when I used, and so I didn't want to stop that either. And, uh, if my dad told me to do something, I was probably doing the opposite. Gotcha. Um, today I listened to him uh, yeah. it's a great day. Um, but I wish I would have listened to him growing up cause it would have been a lot better.
0: Sure. So. At the same point in time though, you know, when we look back on things we wish we could have done differently, I know it, it's hard not to do it. Um, I was actually, I met up with my dad uh, a couple months ago. We were having dinner and he was like, have you ever thought about if you would've done this different mm. or that different? Mm-hmm. And what good does it do Nothing. at this point? Yeah. Um, the way I see it, I was always headed down. It was always gonna end this way for me or dead or in prison. Yep. Um, and so it is, it's not a, uh, it's not wrong to look back and you know recognize what we could have done differently but to wish you had done differently, I think is yeah. more, it's a dangerous thought.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, uh, always tell people I don't regret like doing it. Cause it would, it would have led me to a different path than where I'm at today. Sure. And I love my life today. Um, I do think about if I would have listened to my dad, um, that, you know, life would have gone a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to dealt with the stuff I dealt with, but you know, that's in the past, uh, I try to live in the present as much as possible because my life today is great. Um, I'm a child of God. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents and uh, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, that I didn't get to a breaking point where I lost that. So
0: what was it, what would you say was your rock bottom moment that led you to think, okay, I've got a problem and maybe I should get some help.
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, I was pretty deep in addiction uh, for from 16 to 22 when I came out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at a point. So the night before I went to rehab, um, I hadn't, I hadn't been seeing my parents much, um, if
0: at all. But but let's back up. So why were you going to rehab? Just, was it just at that point? Yeah. It was just time? So
1: I hit rock bottom Yeah, and, uh, my parents had been talking to rehab for like a year. Oh, okay. yeah. And I didn't know that. Um, and I was walking the street in the middle of the rain. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'd left this, uh, this party pretty much. And I was miserable, man. I'd been miserable for a couple months. Um, I was living on a person's couch, um, and just not having, not happy. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know who you call when you have nobody to call your parents. Sure. And I called my dad and it's like, I need help. I don't know what I was trying to get out of the situation I was in. Yeah. I was looking to go home. Um, and I was uh, I was sober walking down the street, like the drugs have wore off, the alcohol wore off and it's pouring down rain at like 2 a.m. I'm freezing and it sucked. And uh, so I called my dad my dad's like, if I come pick you up right now, you're going to rehab tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, I wasn't really wanting to go to rehab. I wanted to get out of the situation I was in. Um, so I, I, for the first time in my life, I said, yes. Mm. And that led me to rehab and then let me out here. Um, I don't know if it was, a it was God moment for sure. And I didn't believe in God at the time. Um, I never really believed in God. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a God moment though. He was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you to me. If yeah. you're not gonna come find me, I'm gonna bring you to me. And, uh, that's what he did.
0: Sure. You know, and your story is one that's interesting to me because obviously, you know, not just your struggle with addiction, but for a lot of people who come to Hope is Alive their story of addiction ends there, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. You know, when they get, they come in the door and some of them never have a drink again. And, uh, but for some of us, yourself included, yeah. Um, coming in the doors of hope is alive. Isn't necessarily enough. And you mentioned earlier uh, a phrase that Lance has used a lot, you know, checking the boxes. Mm-hmm. So would you tell our listeners kind of what you mean by that? Like, you know, What does checking the box mean
1: yeah so i i use a term called compliance versus surrender it comes from my sponsor um he taught it with me and uh so like true surrender is actually like putting your hands on the work right um and checking the box is complying it's like uh telling your program manager what
0: they want to hear yeah like i've read that book you really didn't read it you have it you didn't read it that's one that i've talked about so much on here is the reading yeah and I talk about it because I remember when I tried to get through the first phase of the program and it took me a minute because of the books Mm -hmm. and I kind of figured out, I was like, well, if I tell him I read this, what's he going to do? Like quiz me? Yeah. Like ask for a book report? Like, no, Mm -hmm. I don't have time for that, but I'll know.
1: Yeah. And that's usually what happens. And that's what happens with me. It's, uh, I was checking the boxes, man. I was good to be around. Uh, I went to meetings, um, I didn't do anything in the meetings. I didn't get a sponsor. I didn't work any stats. I said I did, you know, because yeah. what is my program manager going to say? He doesn't know. Um, and that finally led up to a drink um, or a relapse uh, in the program. Um, because, like, between checking the boxes and actually doing it um, is a lot of, like, spiritual uh, warfare. Yeah. Like, you're um, you're holding something in that shouldn't be held in. And I'm lying to everybody around me. I'm not telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um and where where does lying ever get you? Um and my addiction got me nowhere. Um I lied to everybody and everybody knows the truth. Yeah. And you can see it on you, you know, you can see it on my face. I was miserable. Um and I finally had to take a drink. Um and then after that I surrendered.
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, in talking about the relapse that you had while you were in the program, um what was when you came into the program? were you just doing this for somebody else Mm. or were you just doing it to get people off your back? Like what was your end game when you even came in?
1: I didn't have an end game. I was getting people off my back. Um, I was in a very like where Dallas was just not good. I was tired of being there. Um, I do have a couple good friends out there. Um, still this day I talk to and they're uh, very, uh, they're very prominent in my sobriety, but the rest of them were just bad people. Um, you know, game bangers, uh, terrible people, people in addiction, like deep in addiction. And I just, I wanted to get away from that, but also when my parents off my back too, like every time I talked to my parents, um, like, Oh, you, you have a problem. And I knew I had a problem, but I'd deny it right No, I'm good. Like, I I'm just, yeah I'm just struggling right now or whatever the answer may be. And I, when I got here, I was like, I'll just stay here for a month. Um, But as energetic as I am, I'm very lazy. (laughs) Um, So the month kept going to another month. And I had a good friend that graduated the program. Um, He told me, uh, he's the only person I trusted out here. And he was like, you're not leaving. And uh, you're not leaving. You're going to work for them. Um, And I was like, I'm not working
0: for Hope is Alive, dog. I'm not doing it. he's talking to the lazy checkbox Trevor and saying, you're going to work for them?
1: Yeah, work for him. Like, you know, eventually, (laughs) like, he could see something in me I didn't see myself, but shout out him. Uh, He's a big... Uh, he's a big mentor in my life today. Who are we talking about? Colby. Oh, okay. Yeah. Colby Phillips, man. Shout him out. Uh, he, I think I actually graduated with Colby. Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. He's awesome, man. He told me every month I was like, man, I'm leaving at the end of this month. He's like, no, you're not, you know, and no, you're not. And when I relapsed, he brought me back in like with arms, you know, he was a big leader in my life, showed a lot of Jesus to me. Um, he knew a lot about the Bible and stuff and he he kind of came from a similar situation to me and he was like a lot better, a lot further off than me. And, uh, I just listened to him, man. And, uh, I was still checking boxes, but after that relapse, I spent a lot of money on that relapse and, uh, I didn't, I couldn't sustain that. Yeah. And my sponsor I have today, it called me in the hotel. Um, the only person who reached out to me and he's like, if you need anything, um, I'm here to help. And I was yeah. like, I need your help. And you know, he's, he had 11 years of sobriety at the time, Yeah. 10 years of sobriety. And I was like, I need your help. And he was like, okay, well, we'll get to work tomorrow. Um, And I've still to this day, I've never argued with him. Um, Everything he's told me had done, I've done it to a T. I didn't lie about anything when I did my fourth and fifth step. I told him everything. Um, And that's where that surrender came from. It wasn't like a profound moment or anything. It was just a decision in my head that I was gonna be better than who I was. And that being miserable was not an option anymore.
0: But would you say that, um, and that's all so amazing. <laughs> so well said brother. Um, but you know, the reason I asked about the end game and, and what your plan was when you came in is like <sighs> so many times there's a lot of people that will ask, they'll, they'll all but ask you, mm-hmm. what is the secret to sobriety? And I always say, I'm like, you know, I, when I was like a year and I would be like, there's no secret sauce to this. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like but really, if there was, I'm not saying there is, but in my opinion, and what I've learned is if there is a secret to sobriety, it's you have to do it for you.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. You have to want to do it. That is the secret. Yeah. Um Is, uh, <laughs> I quit doing it for a show or for anybody else. And I started doing it for myself. Like I was like, um, at first I was doing it for like to make my parents happy or make my friends happy or, um. Make my program manager happy, yeah. right? And uh, it wasn't working because I was lying, for one. But for two, like, I wasn't doing it for myself. And you see a lot of times people who come in, they're like, oh, my mom made me come here. Um, okay, well, what about yourself? Like, what do you think? And uh, that's what I thought. It was like, I was doing it for everybody else and it wasn't working. And I've always done it for everybody else. Anything good in my life was because I wanted to make my dad happy or whatever it was. But now... Um, like i do it for myself i don't yeah. do it for anybody else like i don't want any recognition from it either like this is for me like internally like spiritually my heart my soul like that all that is is for me it's not for anybody else can't be it can't be or because it's, it's not going to work it'll never be enough yeah it, and that's a uh, that's perfectionism in yep. us right and uh, it's never enough like i set out to achieve X, and i really want two X, and it's that same cycle over and over again instead of being satisfied with who I am today and that I know I have work to do rather than before when it wasn't working is I didn't have any work to do. Like I was okay. Like I'm sober dad. Like look at me now. I'm nine months in and saying, Can I come home now? You know? And that's, that was my thought process before rather than now it's like, you know, like I'm happy with doing this for myself and sure. truly for myself and no one else.
0: Very well said. I mean, one of the things I've always thought about because this, you know, I've been I've been sober for four years now. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, but and I've said this, you know, it's not my first time trying to get sober. And anytime I tried to do it for somebody else in the past, basically what would happen is like they would stop giving me affirmation. Mm-hmm. And because as far as they're concerned, like, all right, this is what you should be doing. That's yeah. what you should have been doing all along. And so I, if they're, if you're out there listening to this and you've heard, you know, what Trevor has to say, you know, really heed those words. It has to be for you. I'm telling you, it has to be for you. That Absolutely. is the secret sauce. If you want it, it's there. Mm-hmm. Nothing worthwhile is easy though, is it? No,
1: it's been the hardest uh, two years of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm coming up on two years sobriety uh, on the second of April, and uh, it's been it's been the hardest by far. And the job's not easy. Like as you know, you've been doing the job for a long time. um, That this job's not easy, but it's worth it. Sure, right. And any um, there's no growth in comfortability. Like you need to be uncomfortable to grow. But there's also like nothing uh, nothing that's worth it comes easy, right? Right. And that's where the hard part comes in. That's where you get that satisfaction from. Um, we teach a meeting on Wednesday nights about, uh, um, it's a bondage breaker meeting, but it talks about our significance, our acceptance, and our uh, security, and we get that from affirmations and stuff like that, rather than now getting it from uh, our connection with Jesus Christ, right? Like, I don't need somebody to tell me I'm doing a good job anymore because God's already told me that in his word, yeah, right? And, and finding that point of surrender comes a long way. Like, I found that, like, recently, right? It wasn't like I surrendered day one and i gave everything to him right like sure. i still have reservations i hate talking to god about my finances right because i want to hold on to that right but until you give it to him that's when it that's when it comes back you know yeah. and it rea- you reap the reward from that um but i was i was also trying to get those affirmations right when i was first here we love affirmations yeah, i love them to
0: death i mean to the, you know i don't care who you are in this mm-hmm. whole thing like who doesn't love someone giving you an attaboy?
1: No, nobody. If you don't,
0: then there's something wrong with right. you, right? <laughs> Anytime someone's like, oh, don't give me praise, I'm like, yeah. stop it. Yeah. Like, we all love. But you it.
1: shouldn't seek that out, right? Right. Instead of uh, seeking that out, you should seek uh, seek it for yourself, right? And yes. give your own affirmations. I tell my residents all the time, uh, um, get a, get five sticky notes and put it on your mirror every morning and, and write five good things about you. Because we all struggle as addicts and alcoholics sure. with, we're not good enough. Like we're, you know, with outcasts, like, and we hate ourselves. Well, most of us, when we get here, do not love ourselves. And if we do, we love ourselves too much and we have an ego problem. So it's either, either or. Um, And so like, you know, giving affirmations and receiving them. And that's why we get them nowadays is because, and you know, we get the person behind us affirmations. Like even if they're not doing a great job, I still tell them they're doing a great job because nobody's told them that
0: in years. How long has it been since they've heard that?
1: I didn't hear it for, um, I'll tell you, uh, a quick story is my dad over Christmas, um, and this is two and a half years into this thing. I had a slip up, but other than that, like he, he had, you know, he, he had seen improvement and, uh, he, that's the first time he's told me he's proud of me. He told me over Christmas, he says, I'm proud of you, son. And, uh, he really meant it. And that's the first time like I got a true affirmation that really like stuck to me in a long time. Right. But it took two and a half years. It wasn't like it was overnight, but we burned these bridges down for 16, 15, five years, whatever it is. I got a resident a uh, was in addiction for 30 years. And like, he, d- you know, it's not like it's gonna come back
0: overnight. You yeah. know what I
1: mean? Um, and those affirmations are good, but you need to, uh, you don't need
0: to rely on those and depend on those, right? Well, like you said, you can't, it can't be the reason you're doing something. Mm. You can't go seeking it. You know, I talk to my team about it all the time <clears throat> with all the work we do on the media side of things. Um, and it's tough, right? You know, especially cutting videos, cutting reels, putting out social posts, uh, all this kind of stuff for events, you know, it's really easy to sit there and be like, you know, cutting and you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be so sick. Like yeah. when Lance sees this or when Ali see wh- whoever, like they're going to love me mm-hmm. so much. It's like, hold back up. <laughs> like, yeah, Is that the reason we're making yeah. this like, no, we want to put it, put it out there, Absolutely, you know, um, so that somebody can see what life at Hope is Alive is like mm-hmm. so that they can see that it's possible for them, for their loved one, for yeah. whoever. Um, but it's tough.
1: It is tough. Sometimes <laughs> it's real tough. Like with, you know, as a program manager too, is, uh, it's really tough to, uh, there's a lot of work we do that like doesn't get seen. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you don't reap the benefit. Like you pour into somebody for like 11 months and they relapse and, uh, and, in some cases die. Right. And, yeah. and, and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, right. am I not, am I really not doing that good of a job? Um, and, and that's where you have to like, you know, that's when you start doing it for yourselves and you realize like, this is for me, man, this sure. is for, uh, not only to help the next man. Cause it is like, we're helping other people, uh, um, get what we got. But like, if we quit realizing that we're doing it for ourselves, um, and like that we're the same boat, like I'm still in the same boat as my new guy today. Um, I'm just, um, one step ahead is what I tell people. Like yeah. I got the curriculum before you. You know what I mean?
0: I remember Lance used to, he's, he still says this, but he used to say it a lot more um, when I first came in. Cause he would be at a lot of our Sunday night men's meetings. Is like, you're all in the same boat, but if you've been here a day longer than the guy next to you, you're a leader. Absolutely. Grant says that a lot. Grant,
1: yeah. <laughs> of he course got, he, does. he got yeah. it from Lance. Got it from Langer, um, yeah. He, uh, and that's what I started telling people. It's like, people mistake that they're not a leader because they're not, they're not a program manager. They're not a house manager. Or they don't have two years of sobriety. I'm like, no, you're a leader because somebody new that has less sobriety than you is looking at you like you're the most profound thing in this world right right now. Because I did. When I got here and I met, I went to a primary purpose group for the first time and they're like naming off like 25 years of sobriety and stuff like that. I was like, these guys are lying. Right. Nobody There's gets no way. twenty five years. Of years yeah. That is insane. But you know, I thought that was like I thought um some of them guys were like giants. Yeah. Like like spiritual, like warfare because I didn't know Jesus at the time when I first went to primary purpose group. I was just trusting my sponsor and taking yeah. direction from him. And I'm like, dude, these, these guys are crazy. How yeah, did you, guys you get twenty five years? Yeah. Over here. yeah. And, uh, and that's what people in the program think. And that's what I thought with my program manager with, um, at first, with Riley, with Luke, um, with Grant. I'm like, dude, these guys are like pillars, Brett. Yeah. And they only had like a year longer than me. Right. So, and I'm like, oh, dude, these guys are like the most profound humans in the entire I mean,
0: universe. Yeah, the first friend I made when I came in to the program, he was my house manager. We ended up becoming really, really good friends. Um he had, when I got here, he had 16 months. Mm. I had nine days when I came in, and I remember being like, 16 months. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like, what have you, how? How, literally, how, how did that you do it? Thing? And you've been in this house the whole time? Yeah, that's um, insane. It just seemed so wild to mm-hmm. me, um, which is another good point to bring up. You know, a lot of residents who want a future trip and worry about how long yeah. they're going to be here, and how long it's going to take. I mean, like you said, with the you know the guys at PPG that, that had all that sobriety. I remember going to my, one of my first AA meetings at the May Club, and being kind of blown away at guys that were getting a two-year chip. Yeah. And I remember being on the phone with my mom and being like, "That, <sighs> there's no way." I'm like sitting here struggling to get to 30 days, yeah. and these guys are celebrating two years. That's going to take. Like two years. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long time. You know, but it's not a race. Mm-mm, it's not. It's, and um, there's no finish line to this thing anyways. Never. Uh, I was told
1: one time that, like, you never stop doing um, what you started. Like, uh, we had Andy speak on Sunday. Yeah. Like, with 18 years of sobriety, he's still coming to speak at people. He's at every meeting I've ever been to. Um, unless he has something come up and like that. And that's like, there's no finish line to this. And right. I tell, I try to tell my guys that like that you're never going to like finish. So quit worrying about when you're going to leave. Um, what is 18 months? What's two years of sometimes they have been in it for 30 and they're like, Oh, I got to get out of here. What do you got to do? Like yeah, well, you just you ruined on... your life for 30 years. Like just sit down and enjoy the ride.
0: Yeah. And you know, we talk about that a lot on here. Um, the, r- <sighs> where do you really run them back to? You know, and I understand with a lot of guys and a lot of girls, you know, it's like, okay, you've got a husband at home that, or a wife at home or kids at home. I get that. And Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Like I don't expect everyone to do three years. Like you and I will have done um, in the houses. I, you know, to each his own. Having said that, a, there's something about finishing Mm -hmm. that'll hit you here. Especially because we've never because we don't usually finish anything, Mm -hmm. and you've got to make sure, right? Like, you might have a wife to go back to, you might have a husband to go back to. I totally get that if you're listening, but are you your best self? Exactly.
1: That's what it's about. It's not about when you leave or um, when you graduate and stuff. It's about when you um, when you're ready, right? Right. When God says you're ready, when you're going to be good to them if you go home. And that's what I tell the guys with the wife and the kids. Is like, are you? What are you? What are you trying to get out of this? Are you gonna go back and be the same dad you were before? Because um, I deal with the men. Um, are you gonna be back? You know, the same son you were before. Or are you gonna change something while you're here? Work on yourself. Finish it entirely. And when you come home, you know, to them that you're you're the husband you're supposed to be. You're the child of God. You're the son of God that you're supposed to be. Um, it's not about how long you spend here. I've seen guys graduate in a year, still sober today, still prominent. Um, father that they're supposed to be and stuff. And I've seen people stay three years and be the same thing. Um, like you said, like not everybody stays three years like us. Not everybody works for us either though. So sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, is that. Else when you're
1: working for them that wh- yeah. where
0: else am I going to go? I still, I remember I'm, when I tried to graduate the first time and I remember Lance <laughs> asking me point blank. That's all he said is he was just like, where are you going?
1: I know. Ali and Grant told me, uh, they laughed at me. Yeah, I was like, Hey, can I graduate in July? And
0: they're like, and, they're like, <laughs> and they walked off. I was like, so uh, I'll take that as a no. Uh, yeah, I was like, I thought I was, I thought it was good. I thought I was leaving. So. Yeah. Well, I will say, you know, I got turned down to graduate twice, not because I hadn't done the phase work. Yeah. Uh, and once was by Lance, once was by Allie, and but both times it was the same question of what are, what's the rush? Yeah. And why, Absolutely. why not be the best you you can be? Why not milk this thing for?
1: all you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. I finished the whole program about mm, a little under a year ago, about a year ago, um, yeah. but I'm still, I'm going back through stuff. Yeah. Like I'm working the uh, SLAA steps with Chase right now. Um, and I'm gonna start the CODA steps over again, like just because there's no, you never learn too much, right? Sure. I'm reading, the, um, I'm going back to the new Testament um, right now. Um, I try to read the Bible once a year now, um, and cause I'm gonna learn something new. And yeah. why, if I'm here and I'm a leader, that i'm supposed to be how can you lead somebody if you're not doing it yourself right boom Mike
0: drop yeah, yeah man it's been so much fun talking with you today trev yeah. thank you so much for coming on i always love whenever you and i get a chance to talk i love um, it man i appreciate you having yeah. me and we'll have you back again um potentially bring on some of your guys some of the residents yeah. on the south side here when we get them back for season three if this is your first time listening to the Hope Dealers podcast, um, even if it's not your first time, please, please, please like, subscribe, share this with someone who needs to hear it. Follow our Hope Dealers Instagram, that's at Hope Dealers, and be sure to follow Hope is Alive on Instagram at Hope is Alive or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hope is Alive okay. And we will see you again next time for the Hope Dealers podcast. Have a great day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hope Dealers podcast. If you or someone you know needs to get in touch with Hope is Alive, or maybe you just want some more information, please visit hopeisalive.net or call 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. Oh, I feel, I
1: feel, I feel.